first up, we need to say that we're now an international podcast. Pat, you've moved overseas, you've moved to the UK. Tell us a little bit about it. Thanks for the intro there. I'm definitely, definitely enjoying it and glad that we can now be worldwide. That's that's all I really have to say about that one. I mean, we'll still be recording podcasts every week, no matter where we are, for life. So I love to talk about business ideas and I uh, don't think we'll ever, ever be stopping. We are not inhibited by uh, by space or time. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's a great segue into my idea this week, actually, Dan. So my idea, pretty basic one. It's not my usual forte of like, you know, big far out there idea, but I think it solves a really core problem. And it's just been frustrating me because I have been traveling around Europe before moving to the UK. So my idea is an airport gym brand. So an airport gym brand that caters specifically to travelers or people traveling for business. The problem that it's solving is basically that when you're traveling, it's really hard to keep fit and healthy. And I know sometimes hotels will have gyms, uh, but there's always stopovers and people spend a significant amount of time in airports when they are traveling. Now, to execute this, you'd have to get some sort of partnership possibly with an airport and you could set up your own brand for the gym and you could also then partner with the airline so like a Qantas or a you know British Airways or something like that and then that you could get the uh, frequent fly points now I know this sort of thing has been done a little bit like I think there's you know virgin hotels that have virgin gyms but they're not specifically in the airport near the departure gates people want to go in they want to work out and then they want to have you know a shower or whatever and then get on their flight they don't want to just sit in a chair for like four hours. So what do you think of that so far, Dan? Yeah, I've, I think that's a, it's a great idea. I've traveled quite a bit as well. And you're right. There's, you never see, well, I mean, I haven't seen a gym in the airport. You know, you talked before about partnerships with the airlines or with the airports. But I mean, there's lots of retail space. There are shops that are always going in. There are some that are coming out. So I mean I think really you're just waiting for a you're waiting for a spot to open up. But I think if you brought this to the airport, you know there's potentially the option of them creating a new space for it, or they're not going to kick someone out. But um, it, it seems like it's a really good value proposition for the airport to offer to their customers as well. Um, I mean you could even do it with the airlines through the uh, what's it called like the the clubs. Um, so you know in Australia we've got Qantas. So in the Qantas club, you know do you have a gym in there? But that's obviously going to limit it to certain clientele and those that are more frequent flyers, which maybe is a good way to start it. You know, you might be able to get it done a little easier through a partnership with one of those frequent flyer clubs. And, you know, maybe even link, like you said, link the points to their use or redeem points for use at the gym or something like that. But yeah, look, I think it's a great idea. You're right. It's hard to stay healthy and not just gyms and workouts, but eating as well. I noticed when, I, when I've traveled in the past, trying to eat healthy is um, can be difficult as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, and to your point about the food as well, that could be like a, an additional product extension here where you have, you know, a healthy, because there's no healthy choices in, in airports either, to your point, really. Uh, Europe's a little bit more healthy than a lot of other places, but I think, you know, you could have like just meals that are ready to go right next to the airport, similar to if you've ever been in sort of like the lounges for Qantas or, or Virgin or whatever, they give you that all the free food. But, you know, maybe on a healthier thing with poke bowls and, you know, salmon and protein and veggies, I feel like there's a massive gap there. I'm not sure if it's a su- supply issue or not. Uh, I just want to talk about the sort of monetization of this because you could obviously, you know, do, do it similar to the frequent flyer points or you could do a subscription or you could do like a one-off payment. I think a one-off payment could be a good method to get more people in through the door, but you want to get those frequent travelers paying a, a regular subscription 
to your gym. Um, and then yeah, I guess you want to have that gym in every as many airports as possible to get those touch points. If you're doing it with one of the airlines, so if you did it with, say, Qantas, I mean, potentially you could build it into the ticket price even. Yeah, it could be a little additional thing added onto the ticket price. Absolutely. I mean, I would, I would pay for that 100%. And it's not just, you know, weights either. You want to put a lot of fitness thing. Everyone, a lot of people have different types of fitness they like doing. Ideally, I mean, I would love to put an indoor basketball court inside the gym so I could shoot some hoops while I'm waiting for my flight. <laughs> gym, gym slash indoor arena. Because I mean, you, yeah, you're into basketball because you're, you're tall. But for people with height challenges like myself, I'd prefer an indoor mm-hmm. soccer pitch. So I think, yeah, gym slash indoor sports arena. Love it. Yeah. So that, that's where I sort of landed. I mean, the market size is quite big. There's a lot of people that travel. So I won't really talk to the numbers, but I think in terms of risks, just for this for this product or this, this business, it is sort of risky that you may not get enough subscriptions and the capital cost of opening the gym. But then, you know, it's just a lot of equipment costs. Gyms are pretty good. Once you own all the equipment, uh, you're pretty well set. And there's not that many operational costs. And it could almost be a self-serve gym as well to reduce costs. Other risks include, you know, you'd have to start a new brand. So you'd have to build that brand before getting you no know, great recognition. Um, and maybe insurance, you'd have to possibly have some insurance if people had like a heart attack or some sort of, you know, accident while working uh, you know working out or using your gym yeah you kind of pointed out some of the general risks with opening up a gym regardless of where it is i think yeah the, the challenge would be that people in an airport you know if they're not aware of the gym they're probably getting to their flight just before it, it takes off and when they land they're they're doing the fast walk to the taxi or wherever they're going so people are rushing both ways generally um, so people would need to be aware that the gym is there. And, and it, it could be something simple as like a flyer on the plane. If it's landing in an airport that has the gym, maybe that's something that the airlines would allow you to do. So, I mean, there, there might be ways, but I think that's that will be the challenge is getting the people to be aware that there is a gym, which may not be on the path to the exit or entry. It may be kind of around the side, which, you know, if you're not specifically walking there, you won't know it's there. And maybe there's an option to lease the equipment as a starting point. So rather than buying you know, millions of dollars worth of equipment, maybe it can be leased to start with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with what you're saying there about the specific airport-related issues. I guess for this to really work as a big, proper business, you don't want to just own one gym because I'm pretty sure gyms only turn over you know, thirty to 60,000 US per year profit if you're a good gym, right? So it's like if you own just one gym in an airport, you might be doing okay. But what the positioning here is, you know, you want to have them in all the major airports around the world to really have that brand recognition. So then the the membership actually becomes valuable. And I think I just want to talk about quickly the demand for this because I think the fact that there's gyms around the world, say in Anytime Fitness, that have gyms all around Australia and, and I think in other locations as well, it shows that there's demand for people who are traveling. And also another indicator that I noticed is at music festivals in Europe, uh, a couple of my friends went to some and they were saying that they showed me some photos. They set up like a fake gym at like this Tomorrowland festival and then people were there attending a music festival but also working out. So it's like they people still want to work out while they're on the move. But I think the best time to work out is actually when you're just sitting in the airport with dead time, not doing anything because you're so afraid you're going to miss your flight. I'm not sure how much of a sharp flyer you guys are, but I'm sort of, you know, I'm there a couple of hours early to get through security and then wait. Yeah, two points. I think you're right. There's lots of dead time. But also on the other side, if you've been on a long flight and you've been sitting down for the last five hours, you know, you probably want to get up and move. So good reason for that. And the other point I was going to make is the the setup at the festival. I'd say there's a large crossover between music festival goers and gym goers. That Venn diagram is uh, is pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so funny <laughs> that's very close diagram you're 100 correct 
<laughs> That's so funny. Um, all right, I'm, I'm happy to end it there. I'm a little tired. I'm a little jet lagged, actually. I, I wish I could go to a gym and work out, but I'll, I'll pass it on to you, Dan, for your idea. Well, I think uh, you'd not be as tired as uh, the target market for the next idea. So what I'm talking about is pods for baby formula, right? So think about it, you know, for infants that are on formula milk, there's a process in preparing a bottle. I know you don't have kids, but a lot of listeners probably have. Depending on the age, you know, you've got to get the scoop right. Uh, so you've got to get the exact amount. You've got to put it into the bottle. You've got to pour the exact right amount of milk in the bottle. You've got to stir it to make sure there's no lumps. You know, then you can warm it in various ways. So you could do it in a microwave. There's bottle warmers. You could submerse it in hot water for a period of time. It, it takes a long time. Once that's all done, you've got to check the temperature, usually just on your wrist. Make sure that it's exactly the right temperature so it doesn't burn the baby's mouth. All of it takes time. And you might be doing it eight bottles a day. So not only does each time take a lot of time, but it's very frequent as well. So what I want to suggest is if you think about a pod machine for coffee, and probably Nespresso is one of the most famous, so that, but for baby formula. So instead of coffee pods, you've got formula pods. You put the pod in, you put the bottle under the spout, press the button, and then in about 30 seconds, you've got a bottle that's got the perfect mix, it's got the perfect amount, and it's the perfect temperature. That's that's the basic idea. And what do you think of the idea first? I haven't had kids, but I've grew up around children of that age a lot. And I did notice, I, I, I do understand the troubles around doing that. If you're in the microwave, you everyone's got their own different technique passed down by their nonna or their grandma and how to how to tell if the milk's warm enough, you know, how to tell if it's all the right formula. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a I can tell this is definitely an issue. And I really like the convenience of your idea as well. Yeah, awesome. And I did find a few companies that are doing this. Um, there's a couple uh, that I found. Baby Barista is one and Nestle, who do the Nespresso machines, have one as well called the Baby Nest. So I generally did come up with this with my own thoughts. So not, no copyrights, but there are some that have looked into this or they are doing this idea already. I think the opportunity, though, I think that product itself is super convenient. And I'll talk later about how much time it would save. But I think also there's the opportunity around the business model and almost using that that baby formula as, I suppose, the engagement, the community, and almost creating a club. And I think that's, that's what Nespresso do. So when you buy a machine, you become part of the club. And that's how you buy or get your subscription for the ongoing pod deliveries and take an interact with other people. And I think there's something in that. I'll, I'll come to it in a sec, but I just wanted to come back to that time saving that I mentioned before. So it's about five minutes per bottle, let's say. You do about six bottles per day. So it's about 30 minutes per day just going through this process. This idea brings that 30 minutes down to two and a half minutes. So that's 30 seconds per bottle which saves 92%. So over a week, it's 17 minutes versus three and a half hours in the current method. And if we look over six months, which might be about the time that you're doing the baby feeding for, you're talking about seven and a half hours instead of 91 hours. You know, th this is a huge amount of, of time saving. I think that convenience, you know, if parents can do anything to save time, they will. And I think this is one of the things that can, um, can help them do it. So coming back to the club idea, like I said, Nespresso do this club, and this could be something where often mums are or, and dads, but you know, parents are up overnight having to do this. They might be up at 2 a.m. Maybe there's a way for them to connect with other parents who are also up at 2 a.m. You know, I found it a few times that I almost fell asleep while, um, while feeding my one of my daughters. So you know, keeping up or being able to uh, stay awake and talk to other people might be something you could do. You could sell and buy baby stuff, clothes, um, accessories. So I think there's, yeah, an opportunity around not only the product, but the uh, the club and the, that social engagement as well. Some risks, I think one of the big risks is not political, but it's kind of that breastfeeding versus formula debate. There could be the argument that this is pushing people towards formula or advocating for formula. 
we don't need to get into that. I think people are doing it anyway. So really, this just provides a more convenient way of doing that. And then from a market size, again, lots of babies in the world, um, lots of parents. I did find that the global infant formula market was valued at around $50 billion in 2019. And that's projected to reach 100 billion by 2027. So huge market. It's growing. It's growing quite big as well. So lots of opportunity in there from the from the demand side. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think that was a really great overview of the idea. It is a big opportunity. I know that infant formula, Australian standard quality is is known around the world, and uh, there was Pip Australia to take our baby formula back to their own countries. So if we can get this product up to like an Australian level standard, I think the quality is very important. It's obviously you know huge huge risk around safety is the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, the second thing is around, I like the I like the sort of club idea and, and how Nestle is sort of approaching that as well, except I do have a slight issue with the market. Uh, babies are only on this for a couple of months or, oh, sorry, like a year or something, right? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So, I mean, it's a short lifespan and you could also argue that, you know, populations globally are declining. There's not as many babies. So, you're actually moving into a, a declining industry here. I'm not sure if that will change, but, you know, people having less and less sex, there's less and less babies. But yeah, I'm not sure. I think it, I think it's a great idea and from a convenience standpoint. And if you own like a pod company for coffee pods or, you know, a Nestle already producing this sort of thing, that would be a perfect business for you for you to get into. Yeah, you're right. Do you think the desirability is there? I, th- I think that's something that you would have to test, you know, whether people would want it. I mean, for myself, something like this would be amazing. You know, I, I have a coffee machine and it's a single touch button, super easy. And it, 30 seconds instead of five minutes for the kettle to boil and, and make your coffee that way. You know, I think it would be there. You're right. Though. It's whether people are willing to pay for the coffee machine up front and then for the subscription ongoing. But again, I, I think the demands, you know, people are doing this anyway, and they're still having to pay for baby formula. You know, it's quite expensive. They're still having to pay for those accessories like a bottle warmer. So it's a specific machine that warms the bottles. So I think if they had the option for something like this, you know, it could work. I think also people, not all, but, you know, a lot of um, families will have more than one kid. So while, yes, it might only be one year for the first kid, you know, it can then be used for subsequent kids. We could do a lease model. So maybe you're just leasing the machine and then maybe it's a free lease and maybe that's the lost leader. So it's a free lease for that. And then you're paying for your subscription for the period of time. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of probably getting more bang for buck out of the machine from our standpoint or from the business standpoint as well. And it's obviously reducing uh, that initial investment from the parent. Yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of doing the doing the shared sort of model that you, you're talking about there. Uh, there's a whole business in, in in shared and rental that's emerging as well at the moment. Someone I, someone I sort of know just raised recently doing a rental business where you rent out things. I think the baby rental market is probably ripe for that, right? renting out equipment for babies um, but everyone wants new equipment and there's safety issues i know and there's you know you want nice stuff for your children but just to clarify when you say the baby rental market <laughs> you're talking about renting products for babies right yes yes renting products for babies not renting babies although now think about it hey but maybe right. that's an idea for another week <laughs> no we are we are not getting into baby rental ideas <laughs> That, it's not, that would hey, it's align not, it's not your, far from organ transplant. I was gonna. It, it, it would align with your previous crazy ideas. <laughs> so, cover, covering off um, just the rest of the feasibility, yeah, I think you, you could obviously have the subscription for the let's call it the standard formula. You could have ones for different ages because there's different amounts you need for different ages. 
You could have, you know, the actual mix itself, so standard premium, could be gluten-free, could be flavored. So I think similar to the Nespresso, you know, the, the business model really is in that recurring revenue from the um, subscription to the pods. And yet you can offer different types of pods. One of the other challenges is around recycling. And again, using Nespresso as the example, they say about 30% of their pods are recycled. There's much lower estimates that, that have been done as well. But even with 30% of its pods recycled, it still means there's 12,600 tonnes of aluminium um, or aluminium um, that end up in landfill because it needs to be recycled separately, not just in the normal recycling bin or bucket. So that would be the other challenge as well. And then I think just moving on to viability and that business model, we've talked about it already. I think the machine itself is a lost leader um, in itself, uh, you know, and in the lease model, potentially free. Uh, and you're making all of your money through the through the subscription. So yeah, really that that pod becomes a cash cow. You know, do it all direct to customer. Again, both the machine and the uh, and the pods. I think further to that, that convenience of having the pods delivered instead of having to go to the supermarket and, and have to buy it is is another benefit. You could do pay as you go, but I think you'd want to lock them into a subscription and a minimum. You know, it might be a minimum twelve month subscription to kind of get the machine for free, maybe. And then beyond that, I think you, you could do what probably most baby products do is and ex- expand into adjacent or extended accessories. So bottles, the actual bottles themselves, cleaning equipment, bibs, and anything that goes with it. So I think you could you could easily set up this this business model where you've got yeah this product as leased or, or buy on a subscription model for the pods. And then that club gives you access to other products. And like we said before, around engagement, social, and other kind of connections with other parents. So that's that's it. Any any final thoughts on that? Final thoughts, Dan. I think I think you've nailed it on the head with this one. I think it's a, a very innovative idea and it's a great change in the value proposition from baby formula, which probably, if we think about it, has been the same since it was invented. So I really, I really appreciate that. And uh, I love that sort of idea. So they're my final thoughts. And I just want to do a quick call out, maybe just to shout out to everyone who's been following us on LinkedIn and the engagement we've been getting has been really good. So if you made it this far, thanks for following on LinkedIn and we we look forward to more comments. All right. With that, I think we're done. See ya. Bye.